0: All right, why don't we take our seats? It's awesome being able to have a chat, catch up, meet new people, see everyone's babies, lots of babies. <laughs> How are you going? Now, Tim, Tim uh, used a certain verbal phrase that I'm going to adopt. Uh, he said, John's going to have a crack. That's exactly what I'm doing today. I'm going to have a crack. It's my first sermon preaching at church, at any church, apart, apart from like youth group and stuff, but I'm so excited. When Tim asked me, I was so pumped. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. And um, yeah, as, as Tim read out, we're talking about blindness today. So um, this is the human eye, right? Only fair to start with blindness by exploring the eye, right? In the eye, we have seven. Uh, sorry, one hundred and seven million light and color sensitive cells. These things help us to see in the dark and discern certain details. It's a lot of a lot of cells, right? Uh, two million working parts in an eye. Two million working parts. 30, these eyes can receive 36,000 pieces of information in one hour. On average, we receive that much of information in a single hour in your eyes. These are brilliant creations, right? This is complex. This is amazing. No wonder so many people in this room chose to be doctors. I mean, the, the human anatomy is incredible, right? This is the brain, the human, this is the thing that we love, isn't it? This is the one that we say separates us from the animal kingdom, is the human brain, right? There are 100 billion neurons in your brain. Do you know that's more stars than are in the Milky Way galaxy? In your brain. Your brain actually changes shape as you learn. It changes its structure. Not shape, its structure, Right? <laughs> It moves, sends information at 241 kilometers an hour. I'm sure they'd win that race if they were driving the car, right? And the brains are incredible as well. But here's the thing. Your brain, my brain, your eyes, my eyes are utterly helpless without Christ. Because the one problem we all have that our brains and our eyes will never solve is that virus, sin, right? We're utterly helpless. Sin, without Christ, leaves us spiritually void and spiritually blind to the light. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for these guys. I pray for this word. I pray that um, you would open our hearts and open our minds and open our eyes, Father, so that we can see, hear, and understand what you want to bring us today in jesus precious name amen amen so so far um we've been looking through john and jesus has been kind of displaying his divine identity through jewish traditions and ceremonies he's hijacked the sabbath right when he told the lame man, lame man pardon me," to pick up his uh, mat and walk in chapter 5, and there's a lot of uh, mirrors between this chapter in chapter 5 and our passage. You've got the pool, right? You've got the Sabbath, and you've got an interrogation. Jesus seems to love this little pattern that he's developing and demonstrating who he is. He's also fed the 5,000, exceeding the miracle of the manna, right? The mir- miracle of the manna from heaven during Passover. He's framed his claims in these ceremonies of light and water, demonstrating chapter 7 and 8, that he's both the living water and the light of the world. And these elements, light, water, bread, they're the essentials, aren't they, to eternal, uh, sorry, essentials to our sustaining our physiological life. But Jesus is going to demonstrate today in this passage, and he's demonstrating in all of these passages, that he's the source of sustenance to sustaining our eternal life. Last week, Jesus showed us uh, his heavenly origins when he said, before Abraham was, I am, indicating that he was there at creation. He's telling us that, hey, I'm God. I'm the King of Kings. I'm the Lord of Lords. I'm the Alpha and I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm I'm the one who was and is and is to come. And today, we've got the is and is to come bit. Right, he's shown us that he was, and today we're going to look at the way that he is and is to come. But there's only one problem it's on my next slide blindness. (laughs) The problem is blindness, okay? All right, and I'm going to show you that in three points. Firstly, I'm going to tell you that we're all born blind, we're all blind from birth. Secondly, Man, it's only Jesus who can open your eyes. Nothing else. And that gives all the glory to him. And thirdly, that Jesus opening our eyes, it's every day. It's not a one-off event, right? He doesn't just open your eyes and you don't need him anymore. We rely and depend on him every day to open our eyes. So firstly, uh, we're all blind from birth. It says here, as he went along... He saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus says, no, no, neither of these guys sinned, right? Uh, this happened so that God's, the glory of God could be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming and no one can work. I, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. This guy... Was blind from birth, right? Uh, he was. That meant that his entire existence left him as a beggar, completely dependent on others and their welfare. Sorry, their their wealth for his welfare. Um, he had no social status to uphold. Uh, this guy had no material things to, to which he could cling. I mean, a rock for this guy, is exactly the same as a gold nugget. It makes no difference. He can't see. He's blind. And he depends on everyone around him to maintain his existence. Begging in the street. He's literally living in darkness. But Jesus is going to be parabolically referring to our state in this passage of spiritual blindness without his work in us. Jesus is going to use this man to illustrate a wonderful point: that when we live in darkness without the light of the world, we can't see. We're born blind. Now, the Pharisees, <clears throat> the Pharisees were spiritually blind, um, and we see that uh, in Jesus' scathing comments at the end of this passage. He says. For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? You know, every time I think of a Pharisee, I kind of want to wobble my head, right? I'm a Pharisee, right? Are we blind too? Right? Um, And Jesus says, if you are blind, then you'd not be guilty of sin. But it's because you claim you can see that your guilt remains. And Jesus accuses them and other parts of the Gospels of being spiritually blind as well. And these remember, these guys are the Pharisees. These guys are the teachers of the law. They're the experts in all things Torah, right? Uh, you can't question whether these guys have read the Torah and they teach the Torah. And this is literally the thing that they hold themselves at such high levels and uh, high status on, on the basis of their knowledge of the Torah. But he, I love what Jesus says. On, he says it all the time to the Pharisees. He says, haven't you read in, in Matthew uh, Twelve, three. Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? In thirteen, uh, Matthew nineteen four, he says, "Haven't you read?" I mean, gosh, imagine telling the Pharise- asking the Pharisees if they've read the Torah, if they've read the Bible, right? He replied at the beginning, uh, "The Creator made male and female." And then in twenty two thirty one, he says, "But at the but about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you?" See, Jesus isn't saying that they haven't read the Torah. He's not saying you haven't actually read the Torah. He's saying, you know what? You're seeing, but you're not discovering, right? You're reading, but you're not understanding. You're hearing, but you're not listening. I'm right in front of you, and you don't even see me, right? Uh, but here's the thing. We can't just point our fingers at the Pharisees. You and I, we were blind ones too, Right? Before Christ, let's read this passage. It says, As for you who were dead in your transgressions, this is Ephesians 2, 1-3, and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them once, right? At one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Listen to this. Like the rest... We were, by nature, deserving of wrath. It's in our nature. This is part of the human condition, right? And it's important that our hearts are ready to confess the fact that we are born blind. It's important that your heart is ready to be uh, to to, to uh, confess that you're you're blind. Um. As such, it's valuable to trace the attitudes of the Pharisees and then the attitudes of the blind man. Let's have a look at the blind man. The blind man is just completely free to, to confess, and, and his heart is completely open to say, Hey, you know what? I don't know. That's the last words that Tim read to us when he read the passage out. I don't know, said the blind man, right? Um the Pharisees ask him, "You know who healed you? Why did he heal you?" And he's, the fa- the blind man's going, "I don't know. What do you keep asking me? Do you want to be his disciple as well?" I love that—that that little bit of toot in there as well, right? Um, see, the, the blind man, uh, the, this this openness in his heart that that allowed him to be to have his eyes spiritually opened, right? Jesus was able to demonstrate that his openness, the, the, the gentleness and the warmth and softness of his heart to Christ was, was uh, in such a state that Jesus could open his spiritual eyes. Compare that then to the Pharisees. The Pharisees balanced that with three bold claims as if they know better than Jesus. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, surely hindsight, these guys must be looking back at themselves at these statements and thinking, what a fool, right? They said... This man is not from God. That's what they said about Jesus. This man is not from God. These guys are supposed to be the spiritual leaders. They're saying that they can see already. We know. We can see. Hey, this guy is not from God. Jesus is not from God. This is what they're saying, right? He he does not keep the Sabbath. And they summon the blind man and say, give glory to God. What a, what a contrast to Jesus saying that this blind man will be giving glory to God through this miracle, right? Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. and He's literally the only man who's not a sinner, right? <laughs> it's literally his sinlessness that makes him a valid sacrifice for my sin and for yours right? Uh, We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. That's about the only confession I could find in here, but it's both a a statement about Jesus and then uh, by backing it up by their own ignorance. And Jesus shows them, actually, guys, you're ignorant and you're blind, and that's going to be your demise. He says in verse 41, like we read before, now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. All right. Did you know currently there are 40.3 million victims of human trafficking in the world? There are more slaves today than the entire time period of the transatlantic slave trade. More slaves on earth today than that time. If you're interested in researching some of this stuff, there's a great uh, organization called Stop the Traffic that I follow, and you can support them as well. Now most of those who are in slavery today are enslaved through bonded labor. Uh, bonded labor is basically uh, where a member of your family is in debt, okay, to the person to whom you'll be enslaved right? And the, the family, the whole family is enslaved to these people uh, to pay off the debt. And the problem is that it's actually a trap. The debt just keeps getting bigger, insurmountable, unable to pay. They'll change the amount at the drop of a hat and they stay enslaved to the family. Now, if the family members are unable to pay that debt off, actually, it, it, that's okay. The, the children of that family member and the, the generations that follow will remain enslaved to these people. Imagine wake, you know, being a child, being born into a family where the debt of some distant ancestor has left you enslaved. That you have no options in life. You're completely at the mercy of your masters. And see, the thing is though, this is the way sin works. This is why sin blinds us. Because we're actually born slaves to sin. Because of the debt of our ancestors. Right, Way back in that garden, that original sin has left the human condition as one rampant with the virus, far worse than COVID. It's sin, because that's the one that damages your eternity, right? It's the one that blinds you from seeing Jesus. However, Jesus is going to demonstrate something really valuable today, that he's here to redeem you and to redeem me. Right, He's going to pay that debt. He's going to pay that price. Um, he's going to give us that living water and the breath of, bread, bread of life. The breath of life as well, I suppose. You can give us that one. Um, I have a question for you. Is your heart prepared to confess your blindness? Matthew, G- Jesus says in Matthew 8, in his Beatitudes, and I got this one from Pastor Richard this week in his sermon. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, how do we do that? Look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't be uh, focused and distracted on the things of this earth. In your daily life, have your heart postured to be fixing it on Christ. Um, are your spiritual eyes open when you're reading the Word. So many times, you know, you sit down, you think, I've read this passage before, I'll flick to the next bit that I can't remember if I've read it or not, right? (laughs) Jesus can open your eyes and show you things about Himself through those. Don't be spiritually blind. In prayer, are you praying prayers to God where you're willing to have Him present you with your own blindness? Are you willing to have that happen? And in fellowship with other believers, when you're Spending your time with other Christians, those in leadership, or your Christian brothers and sisters, are you prepared to have the Lord reveal your blindness through your Christian brothers and sisters? And lastly, I want to encourage you to remember the Lord. Keep the crown of your life on His head, right? He's the Lord of your life. Don't allow your pride. Uh, your pride and, and the fact that you think maybe you're a, a self-made man don't allow that to take away uh, the position of Jesus as the King of your life. Secondly, thing is, if you do, you're kind of at a loss because it's only Jesus who he can even open your eyes, right? And that brings glory to God when he opens our eyes. He says this. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with sliver. Gross. And put it on the man's eyes. Getting grosser, right? Go, he told him. Uh, look, seriously, who who in this room didn't think gross as a kid? Like, why is Jesus mixing sliver with mud and rubbing it in this guy's eyes? And then, why didn't he just heal him? He could just go like whoosh and make his eyes better, right? He had to rub sliver and mud. Well, that question, right, is kind of a thread that you should probably pull out to unravel the whole thing of this passage, right? Uh, Mud and saliva, put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went, washed, and came home seeing. I mean, we just read through that like it's nothing, right? This guy had some mud on his eyes, blind from birth, goes and washes it in this water, returns seeing. That is incredible. Uh, this, this man had his eyes miraculously opened. Can you imagine the moment his eyes opened? What a joy that would be. I know that when I go and get new glasses and I realize how blind I've been with my old dodgy glasses, I okay, go far out. I couldn't see anything with my last lenses. I can see, look, I can see that price tag over there and I can, you know, imagine this guy. He wouldn't even know what to point at. He can see 36,000 pieces of information an hour all of a sudden, right? It's incredible. Uh, see, the pull of Solomon meaning sent, I want to just emphasize that, right, is, is a spring fed by the Gihon spring, and it was the source of ceremonial water for the spiritual cleansing in the Feast of Tabernacles. This is where we are, we're still at the Feast of Tabernacles. Sliver, according to Mosaic law, is unclean. Mosaic law determines sliver... Filthy, right? I don't think I need Mosaic law to tell me that, but I think it's gross too, right? But they, did. they thought it was spiritually unclean. Now, Jesus is physically demonstrating something. He's demonstrating his authority to cleanse our spiritual uh, uncleanliness. He's using the physical... Uncleanliness of sliver and mud and smearing it, on, smearing it on this guy's blind eyes and sending him to the ceremonial cleansing water to have it washed. He's uh, you know physically demonstrating that he has the authority to cleanse our spiritual eyes. Nobody else could do what Jesus just did, right? He used, they've been doing this tradition of using the cleansing water in the in, in, in the tabernacles and all this and and. None of them have been able to cure people's eyes, right? Um, he's got some authority. Um, but what does this mean? See, Jesus is actually replacing the ceremonies and traditions as the only one who can actually set you spiritually free. You, you can do all the spiritual cleansing you want with water, but now Jesus has arrived, now that the kingdom is here, you need him to open your eyes. He's replacing the traditions and ceremonies that we need, right? Um, the living water, that's already been replaced at the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, the bread of life has replaced the bread of the Passover. Um, and now, he's literally replacing the pool of Siloam, when he says, I must do the, we must do the work of the one who sent me. I'm the sent one, right? That's me. Uh, The pool of Siloam is not going to help you. I'm here to help you. Now, sure, we depend on bread, water, and sunlight, again, for our physiological survival, but those things are only signposting us. They're only signposting us to the true source of our spiritual sustenance. And we fully and we completely depend on Jesus to have our eyes opened and our hearts purified. These ceremonies that these guys are doing and, and us gathering and, and the things that we try to do in comparison to what Christ can do, it's filthy rags, right? We, we, we are helpless if Christ is not in the picture. Without Christ, right, there's nothing to it. I want to read this one about our need for, for Christ, our need for Him, that only He can open our eyes, Ephesians, the passage I was reading before from Ephesians continues this way from 4 to 9. It says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with, Jesus, with Christ Jesus. In order that, in the coming ages, we might show that incom- he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is grace that you've been saved through faith. and check this: this is not from yourselves it 's a gift of God, right The faith, the very little moment that we have our eyes opened and we first see Jesus face to face, we first see Jesus for who he really is, that moment of faith that saves you, that moment of faith that changes that the trajectory of your life from one day going that way to now going this way, that moment of faith, you didn't make it happen, right? I didn't make it happen. But man, I thank God that the Holy Spirit made it happen in my heart, right? And I completely and I utterly depend on Jesus to open my eyes that way. It's only the faith that he gives me that's ever going to save me. I can't muster it up. I can't sit down and, you know, I can't get it to happen. I'm just going to end up having some pain, right? Not by works. No one can boast. No one can boast. Now, the blind man said, uh, said yes pardon me to jesus for his physical healing uh completely open to the spiritual healing that jesus had to offer but the pharisees they said no why i reckon it's because they think they've got it sorted enough right they think they know it all already see the question i'm always asking is why didn't jesus just heal the pharisees why didn't he open their eyes too? That solves the whole conflict, doesn't it? Right? The Pharisees are giving this blind man a hard time. Why doesn't Jesus go, zap, 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 now you all understand, right? I mean, the guy created heaven and earth, right? And he, created the Gal- he created the Milky Way and all the stars and then matched it to say the same amount of little bits in your eyes, right? Uh, Jesus could have healed them, but why didn't he? Why didn't Jesus heal the, blind, heal the Pharisees? Well, they've got all the evidence already. Uh, The Gospel of John is literally known and and called uh, the the book of signs. They've got all the signs. Jesus is literally performing miracle after miracle after miracle, and they're still not convinced. They've got the clear logic. Even the beggar, the blind beggar, understood this logic, that the untrained to the Torah, right, that God doesn't listen to sinners. (laughs) And thus, the miracle of Healing a man's blind eyes, it can't be ignored. I mean, that's basic logic, right? If I see a man heal someone's eyes in front of me, I'm going to pay attention to that guy, right? But the worst part is that they claim that they can see. They claim they've already got it. I don't need it. I've already got it. And so they remain blind and their guilt remains. As we saw in verse 41. All right. Um, I love my new full drive. It's not Jesus, it's okay, I'm not not comparing it to Jesus, but I do like it, okay, because it gets me to some good fishing spots. And uh, one day, I had a mate, Mitch, from work, who said, oh, look, listen, in Yerunga, there's this great spot, you should go there, you've just got to take this little dirt track to get to this great fishing spot, if you launch this awesome flatty in that area, and I was after some flatty at the time, and I was like, sweet, I'll go there at the crack of dawn, I'll go there at 5.30am at the first light, and I'll be there ready to catch some fish. So I'm driving through my four-wheel drive, and I get stuck. Right? I am well and truly stuck, like royally stuck. There is no way I can unstick myself from being so stuck. I'm there covered in mud, like head to toe in mud. I've got my little tiny fold-out spade that I bought the cheaper one. I wished I didn't buy the cheaper one at that moment, right? I bought the cheap tracks. I don't know why I bought the cheap tracks, because they did nothing to help me out of that sticky spot. I'm digging, and there's mud flying everywhere. And I've got the under the tires of my car and they're shoved on. I've got the, the diff lock on and I've got them all, all in high gear. And I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm not going anywhere, right? I wasn't moving. I might as well have been in a, a I don't even know, in, in mud, right? I was stuck, okay? So I had to do something. And it's the crack of dawn. It's like 5.30 a.m. And I'm, wa- I'm walking, I'm standing. So I'm looking at my car and I see at the bank of the river, And that's how close I am, by the way. I'm looking at the river and uh, I can see these guys are camping. But it was scary camping, can I just say. I'm by myself. It's first light. I walk up and there are, you might call them tents, right? And, And there were beer cans, I reckon like 50 beer cans open laid all over the campsite and there was a guy who'd gotten up to relieve himself and I was kind of waiting, you know, awkwardly like I want to talk to this guy but I've got to wait till he's finished (laughs) And uh, I wait till he's done, and then I'm, I'm petrified. I mean, this guy seems rough as I, I can't be judgy, but he seems really rough at this point, right? He's obviously groggy and a little hungover from whatever's happened. And, and I've asked him for his help, and he's kind of given me this kind of grumble, like, oh, I'll help you, yeah. It was the most profane offer for help I've ever heard in my life, right? It was so full of profanity. It was a, every, the whole conversation was profane, but the guy helped me, he, he was crack of dawn, the guy's just woken up, he's hungover, he's not very comfortable, you know what, he backed his ute up, got out his strap thing, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't a winch, whatever it was, he had something, right, and, and got me out of the mud, he got me out, right, Do you know what? We actually had a really great chat about fishing, this guy and I. And the other guys there, we chatted for ages about fishing and so on. They were like, oh, yeah, you know, I couldn't give them anything. I didn't have anything with me because, again, I was just there to go fishing, right? Um, And I left and I thought, I cannot claim any kudos for getting out of that mud today. I completely and utterly depended on those blokes on the side of the river hung over to help me get out of that water, out of that mud, right? Uh, I tried to make a little Psalms reference there, right? Uh, I did nothing to get myself out of that horrible pit, the miry clay, to set my wheels upon a rock and establish my goings. (laughs) Jesus does that for us, right? Jesus, we need him to get us out of the sticky mud. We need him to open our eyes. That's Jesus, It's only Jesus. Nothing else will set you free indeed, as we read in last week's message. Right? He says, when the sun sets free, whom the sun sets free, he is free indeed, right? It's only Jesus, the prince of peace and the master of this universe, is the only one who can open your eyes. Jesus chose the blind man because he saw the softness of his heart, not because of his disability. The healing of his physical blindness was just a foreshadowing of his role as the light of the earth. I want to ask you, do you see Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Has he opened your eyes? Because uh, I can tell you now, when your eyes are shut, it makes it very hard for the light to penetrate. Right? Have you seen Jesus? I want to tell that you're invited to see Jesus. And Jesus gave this great parable of the banquet where he sent out a bunch of invitations, the master sends a bunch of invitations to his son's wedding, and nobody wanted them. So he sends the invitations out to anyone who'll receive them. And he ends with this statement, he says, many are invited, but few are chosen. And you know the problem is? Is our shut eyes and our shut hearts. It's all about a heart that will worship in spirit and in truth. Lastly, Jesus opening our eyes—it's ongoing. We need Him to open our eyes every day. Um, Jesus heard that they'd thrown a man out, and when He found him, He said, "Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who's He, sir?" The man asked. Again, completely open to knowing who is He, right? Tell me so that I may believe. And Jesus said, "You—you now see Him. In fact, He's the one speaking to you." Uh, And the man said. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. See, the, 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 the man's already had his eyes open once. Now the blind man is allowing Jesus to open his eyes a second time. All right? Jesus returns to the blind man. He's just been slammed by the Pharisees and he's been kicked out of the gog. Right? And at this point, we discover the real reason why Jesus heals this blind man. It's not just to make him see the light of day, but it's to make him see Jesus' face. He wants him to see the Son of Man. When he calls himself the Son of Man, he's making three claims. Um, firstly, he's saying that I am the Son of Man. He's saying I'm God in human form. Uh, that coupled with the miracle, okay, can only mean one thing, that he's God, right? And what's the man's response? It's worship. His heart is completely ready to believe. His heart is completely ready to have his eyes open. And Jesus is able to emphasize through the statement of being Son of Man that his work is here on earth. It's the cross. And he's also there to establish that he's the fulfillment of the prophecy in Daniel 7, which I won't go into too much, but uh, prophesied that the Son of Man will be raised up and be given dominion and eternal kingdom. He'll approach in the clouds of heaven and all of this. It's there if you want to see it. And those are the bits that I'm talking about. Um, Looks like a human. He's heavenly. And he has an everlasting kingdom. And the Jews, they're waiting for the Messiah... To come in some kind of military coup to overthrow the Roman oppressors, right? And Jesus is not offering that. He's offering an eternal kingdom. Jesus is here as the arrival of the kingdom. And the disciples. The disciples, their heart was open to be taught all the way through the gospel of John. See, Jesus has already chosen his disciples. Their eyes have been opened once. But every chapter we read, their eyes are being opened again and again and again. Jesus revealing, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I'm the light of the world. I was there at the creation of the earth. Now he's saying, I'm the son of man. Do you see me? Do you see the son of man? Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm really blind, right? Super blind. Uh, in fact, if I take off my glasses, well, I, I can read that, but I can't read the y stuff, right? I can read that, but it, I'm, I legally am not allowed to drive without my glasses on. At night time, if you need my help and I don't have my glasses on, forget about it. You can ask my wife, if there's a burglar in the house, I'm getting my glasses on first right? Because there's no point me approaching a fight without these bad boys on, right? (laughs) He'll probably break them, but I need them, right? And every morning, every single day, not a single day goes by where I don't put these on, right? I don't put on these lenses to let me see the day, to let me see the people, to let me interact with my day. I need these glasses. They help me see. I'm pretty blind without them, right? And guess what? I need them every day, um to keep your eyes open, allow Jesus to open your eyes daily. You know, we're in danger maybe of being like the Pharisees and assuming that we have all the knowledge, aren't we? Um, being offended by the notion that we don't already know everything. Um, but this is really bad for us. Um, and sometimes we say, my eyes have already been opened. I know, Jesus, it's all good. You don't, you know, you're preaching to the choir. That's the line, isn't it? You're preaching to the choir, man. That's, that says, my eyes are already open, dude, right? <laughs> but are your eyes still fixed on Jesus or are they growing weary? Have your eyes grown weary? Uh, have they started looking elsewhere for satisfaction in your own kingdom? Maybe the things around you or material possessions. Are your eyes still yearning for God to ignite a new fire for his word in your heart? Are you open to allowing him to refine and open your eyes to see him more clearly and be able to respond to his spirit? Um, Are you willing to let him show you and help you recognize where he needs to work in your heart? When you spend time in the Word, when you're seeking clarity, when you're seeking tr- are you seeking truth about His ways? You need Him, right, to open your eyes every day. See, the, the Pharisees' eyes, this whole passage, were focused on the Sabbath, right? Jesus already sorted the Sabbath out for them. They're focusing on the Sabbath when Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is right there in front of them. The Savior, the Messiah, the, the promised one, is right there, and they're worried about the Sabbath. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Remain open to him revealing himself to you and to me, right? All right. Um, I want to leave you with one last thought, and that is that light cannot penetrate closed eyes. I'll read you this passage before I pray. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 to 6 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. For what we preach is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they'll see God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for everyone here tonight. I thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that it's you who opens our eyes. Father, I pray that uh, moving forward, you will allow us and uh, to, to posture our hearts in a way that we're open to have our eyes opened. We're, we're, we're ready and positioned, Father, for you to speak to us and to touch our eyes. And Father, we are... Uh, We thank you so much for what you did at the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice you made, that only by you have we been saved. In Jesus' name, amen.